even when I came back to work, everyone was like, she's a mom now. It was quite, you know, I felt like an alien. And I spent the first six to 12 months of my return to work pretending I wasn't a mom. It, it took a while for me to get the confidence to think actually every single other woman in this business behind me thinks this is how to mother and it's not how to mother. Yeah. So I have to own this in a better way. A big reason for starting Little Revolutions for me was so that I could talk to other people who were going through the stuff that I'm going through or who are on the other side of it and get advice, like actual real life advice about how to navigate it all. And this conversation felt like one of the realest examples of that. I talked to Michelle Kennedy, who is the CEO and founder of Peanut, which if you don't know it, is a social networking platform app for mums and beyond. And Michelle is wise and warm and funny and just a realist. It felt like a chat with a mentor or a big sister for me, where we talked about loneliness a lot, actually. The loneliness of being a successful woman, the loneliness of charting your own path, the loneliness of becoming a mum before you have other mum friends around, and the loneliness of existing in a world which doesn't really hold space for us to exist in these multitude of identities, and how Michelle has navigated it and continues to navigate it, and the ways in which the platform she's created, the life she's built, the communities she's cultivating are all a response to these very questions. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So to get us started, we don't like to define people, so I'm gonna let you define yourself and introduce yourself how you want our community to know you. I am Michelle Kennedy. I'm the founder of Peanut, which is a social network to connect women across different life stages from fertility right through to menopause. Thank you so much for being here. So as you know, this whole series is about women, people who are questioning the norms are like showing us how to live through the, the questions of like bigger societal, structural, cultural problems. And one of the big reasons I wanted to talk to you was both in terms of being a successful woman and a working mom and creating space for both both those categories of people in the world and kind of being a model for, for everyone else um, and how you've navigated that journey. And in preparing for this, I was listening to many years ago now, your interview with Stephen Bartlett on Diary of CEO. And there was a point where I'm not a parent and I was taking a walk listening to it and I cheered up listening to it and I was like, oh, I feel like I'm not alone knowing that Michelle is out there, which was just like the loveliest thing because you talk about loneliness very openly, very candidly, both in the founding of Peanut and in your journey as an entrepreneur, as a woman who's a leader and as a mom. And it's so much of like the genesis of your story. And I'm wondering how you got to the point where you were like comfortable even talking about it. Such a good question, you know. And um, I don't even know how to unpick that because I don't know when I felt comfortable in talking about loneliness. I just knew I had to say something because I knew it couldn't just be a... a um, a feeling that was isolated and specific to me. And um, I, if nothing else, my mum is Irish and she's an extremely like blunt, honest woman and, and just always says things very straightforward. And maybe it's a, a bit of my mum coming out in me. But um, I think that it, before I'd even recognised it as loneliness, what I recognised was... Um, this wasn't going exactly how I thought it was going to go. It was more like that. I am someone who is, I, I'm very, very focused. I'm quite driven. I know exactly how things are going to go. I like to have a plan most of the time. And all of a sudden, this little person arrived and there was nothing about that that I could plan. There was nothing about that that I could control. No amount of spreadsheets or forward planning was going to really, you know, predict how that would go. And more importantly, I didn't have a feeling like I expected to. It didn't look like it looked on Instagram and it didn't feel how those women looked like they felt. It felt scary and it felt overwhelming and I felt so much absolutely undeniable love for this little person but so much responsibility and oh my god I can't get this wrong and I can't let him down and I have to do so much and how does everyone else know what they're doing and I don't know what I'm doing and so I think it was all of those feelings that then led me to feel like this is actually really lonely because 
I don't even want to say those things publicly. I don't want to say that I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want people to think I'm a bad mommy. Um, but equally, I don't really want anyone to think that I'm ungrateful. I'm not ungrateful. I, I know right. how precious he is. Um, but also, like, who am I these days? I knew exactly who I was before Finn. And I didn't really know who Finn's mum was. I just knew Michelle before that. And so all of those feelings kind of led me to this feeling of it feels a bit lonely because I don't know how to articulate it. And I am a talker, love to talk. So to not be able to talk about something that was quite, and, and the, the less I spoke about it, actually, the bigger it grew and, mm. and the more uncomfortable it felt. Um, so I think that's when I started to talk about and think that it wasn't unique to me and wanted to talk about it more for other women. Um, and to be honest, it's not that dissimilar being an entrepreneur and starting business again. And, you know, I, I'd been running someone else's business so successfully for such a long time that going and doing it on your own and, and really being the person who has to keep the team hyped and keep the vision going and get investors on board and be that cheerleader mm -hmm. and also thinking, oh, am I doing it right? Does everyone like it? Am yeah. I listening properly? You know, so I think it was a very similar set of feelings all over again, actually. And when when you had Finn and you were like in that place of, I just want to talk about it and is everyone else like living this Instagram life and I'm clearly not. Were you, I'm curious, were you the first of your friends who had a child and so you were like the first mom in the group and, or was it that just no one was talking about it around you and you had no idea how to even broach the topic? So I was the first of my girlfriends to have a baby. Mm. So um, I, I was really like the first, I was in a serious relationship. I, you know, was the first to do a lot of those kind of key yeah. moments. And so um, my girlfriends would be like out at the club and I was breastfeeding at 2am. You know, it, it felt like parallel worlds. I remember going out for dinner with one of my girlfriends and she was telling me about this guy that she was dating and, you know, stuff that had happened on the date. And I honestly, I felt sick because I was like, I can't imagine anyone touching me uh, because I was in such a different mindset. And actually what I was thinking about was, am I going to be home on time to do the dream feed? Or do you think I need, you know, and your life yeah. is running in a totally different way. So I think that you're watching what was your life going on and carrying on and you're living a different one. Um, and you're having like you're totally consumed it's all consuming yeah. um that I think that it, it wasn't just that I there was a social taboo I actually didn't know anyone who was doing it at the same time as me and obviously it took you some time I imagine to start peanut from from that point onward where did you find your people at that or did you did you find your people or was it just like a reaching out to random not random but moms you were following on Instagram and like saying hey are you feeling this way too no actually um well for a considerable time I had no people so hen mm. hence peanut um but actually how did I find my people um you know it's it's even embarrassing to even think about it now but truly my mum was in a mm. coffee shop with my mum my mum's like very outgoing I'm definitely socially not outgoing in that way um, <laughs> and she'd be like oh your baby looks the same age as my daughter's you know oh and we'll start start a conversation so I found two of my girlfriends like that and they be, you know they became really close Emma and Mira yeah. they became really close girlfriends of mine and you know the three of us kind of modeled through a lot of it together mm. um but you know there are elements of rejection as well I remember being in a coffee shop and speaking to someone and saying you know she was so helpful and she was further ahead than me her baby was mm. older um, and I remember saying to her, can, you know, should we swap numbers? And she, she actually said, listen, I'm not going to take your number because I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm so busy. I'm oh. just not. I, and it was so crushing yeah. and mortifying. I was like, right, well, I can't do that again. So, you know, it, it was, it was, it was very, very difficult to find mm -hmm. my people. Um, as, you know, as I got braver about talking and braver about talking about my experiences and what I felt and being honest, it was actually easier to find people. We all want to find authentic connection and relationships and we all want to find realness. And so as soon as you find that, you are able to, to be yourself and then, you know, it starts to feel easier. But 
it certainly is something that has taken a while. I also like, I just, I love the story of your mom where I feel like I have very similar parents who would do the same kind of thing. And it's great that you had someone there who was like willing to take that leap for you. Oh, you oh, honestly, it was mortified. I was mortified. I was like, I'm a grown woman. I'm 30 years old. And my mom is finding me friends in, you know, the local Starbucks. But, you know, thank God for her. because You, I, need, I like you needed that, right? We all need people. And she, she did what she had to, to get you the she, people you needed. Literally. And, and those two women, you know, the three of us, like we muddled through so much of that together. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, but for that, I don't, I don't know what I would have done. And after, like, after your maternity ended with Finn, did you start peanut right after, or were you still okay? No. So I, um, I had quite a short um, maternity leave by UK standards. Mm-hmm. By US, I think it was quite luxurious um, with Finn. So I went back to work um, when Finn was five and a half months old, and <laughs> I um, had this concept of wouldn't it be great if we could connect women and you know there's got to be a better way and I was working in dating right I was building dating apps so it wasn't a million miles away to think we could just take that and apply it here and you know it would be a great success um but actually no I went back to to work and we started building a brand new product which became Bumble so uh I I was living a completely different life again so I was working on amazing products in the day and then at night I was going home and like reading stuff on some random forum t- from 2012 um, to try and find an answer about why Finn was regressing yeah. in sleep or was it normal that he was doing this? And so actually what happened is the bigger he got, the more, the bigger the kid, the bigger the problem. Like he just, I mm. felt like there was more that I didn't know. I felt I needed women more than ever. How did they know which schools to apply for? Like, how did yeah. they know that it was normal that he was bum shuffling and not crawling? And how did he, you know, how did they know these things? Cause I didn't know them. Um, mm. And so it was something that lived with me. It, it wasn't, he was two and a half when I decided I'm going to build something for this. Um, I'm going to leave my very lovely job, which pays me so well um, and uh, yeah. do peanut. So it took it took me, you know, two and a half years to have the. So you lived like you lived not that not that fitness a problem, but you lived like the problem you were living, right? Of like, where is my community for two and a half years? Absolutely. And you didn't and find it, and then you were like, okay, let me let me find make the solution for it. Exactly. It and like. actually, everything I saw, I was like, no, that's not right. That's not what we, women want. Like, and and also, you know. Um, All I kept thinking was about the women who were coming after me. Like, I was 30, but what about the women who were coming behind me who had this expectation that there would be, like, some great innovative solution? And what they were also met with was, you know, forums from 2012 or Quora Answers or Yahoo. Like, what if that was their experience and what would they want to use? So um, it was just a, a happy kind of... Um, moment of we were building a new product at Badoo um, so I was exposed to something from day one so I had the bug I had the idea and then you know it culminated in me thinking right I have to be the one to do this and I'm curious about was did you have colleagues as well who were moms at the time at Badoo or were you so you were the only one because this is a conversation I'm in my early 30s and I have with my female friends a lot where we have my friend who's basically the you and my friend group who has the kid and is the first and we're watching her navigate parenthood and motherhood with her like NCT group basically and the people she's found online who are her support network and we try to help out and all of us are having this conversation of yes we would like to be mothers we would like to be parents for many of us but we're also really scared of the impact it'll have on our career. We look around and we don't see a ton of women in the generation above us who had children at our yeah. age. Yeah. And it's just like, there's no right answer. We're, we've, I feel at least like I will be shamed whatever I do in some way or the other, right? Because on one side, I'm a successful woman who's very career driven and ambitious and I'm always going to work hard. And I, I love everything you have to say about that with your kids as well, wanting them to see you work hard, right? Like I was raised the same way and it's like hard work is important to me. And at the same time, I would want to be a very present parent. And I have men around who I see doing that. I don't have women around who I see modeling that necessarily. And I'm curious about what that was like for you. You know, everything you've just said, I'm like nodding and it's so hard, right? 
Um, there were no women. There were no senior women at Purdue. <laughs> there were certainly no senior women having babies. Even when I came back to work, everyone was like, she's a mom now. It was quite, you know, I felt like an alien. And I spent the first six to 12 months of my return to work pretending I wasn't a mom, right? That truthfully. What do you because, mean? Say more. So I, if someone wanted to have a call at 6.30, I said mm-hmm. yes. But 6.30 is Finn's bedtime. Yeah. It took me a very long time to have the confidence to be like, do you know what? Mm-mm, no, you can call me anytime from eight. I'm awake anyway. Who cares? Yeah. Like I'll, I'll work all night. That's no problem. But between five when I need to leave or 5.30 when I need to leave and eight, I don't do calls. But I was the most senior woman in the business. And if I couldn't say it, who was going to say it? So um, it it took a while for me to get the confidence to think, actually, every single other woman in this business behind me thinks this is how to mother and it's not how to mother. So I have to own this in a better way. Um, If I I would work from home on a Friday and if I was needed for a meeting, I brought Finn. Mm. I brought Finn. And uh, Andre, the, the founder of Badoo at the time, I remember one time he asked me to come in for a meeting. He sat with Finn and I did the meeting, right? Yeah. So, but that took a long time for me to have the confidence to be able to, to really own that. Um, and it wasn't straightforward and it wasn't, um, there was no one to model on. It's exactly what you say. There, w- there was no one that I was thinking like, wow, she's done it amazingly. Even yesterday, uh, there was a thread on Twitter um, of someone who I really admire and respect, and he's amazing, and he wants to talk about parenting and how to keep accelerating in work and parent, and all the recommended guests from his audience were men. And I was like, I, I'm sorry, but it just cuts differently for men. Yeah. Okay? It just cuts differently. The expectation is that women will make sacrifice. The expectation is that women will keep the household going, that we'll make sure that, um, you know, everything's happening well for our children, for ourselves, for our business, for our household. Has your father-in-law got their medication? Has your, you know, mom received her birthday gift? Whatever it is, we're running everything. And that layer, that invisible labor is, is, it's not going anywhere. We we still have so far to go in terms of people understanding that womanhood and working, motherhood and working is um, we need so much more infrastructure than we have because we now expect women to contribute to society economically in a way that we never have factored in before. But we're still using the old systems of support and infrastructure So what we have is this massive chasm between here's what we want you to do, women, and by the way, you can do it all, and here's the infrastructure that we have for you. Yes, you're right, that is reminiscent of the 1960s and we haven't fixed it. Don't worry, though, we still expect you to be here. And the gap is enormous, and we're just no further along in in kind of filling it. So that's I could talk to you for hours about the the challenges there, but um, everything that you're experiencing with your friends is... I live it still. It's it's wild. I read something recently that like blew my mind and how I was thinking about it, where um, a writer talked about he's in a mixed gender couple and his wife had a, they were both ambitious, successful people and his wife's peers were all men and they both shared parenting responsibilities equally. And his wife at one point said to him, but if you actually like care about equity, you would also recognize the fact that all my peers have a stay-at-home partner who is doing the bulk of the domestic labor. And so you and me splitting things half and half, it's like great within the bubble of our relationship, but in the bubble of the world, I'm still on a back foot compared to everyone else around me. I'm still not operating at 100%. It's, it, it's, exactly, it's exactly right. And, and you know, it's, a, it's about that kind of expectation as well. You know, truly, truly, I, I have an amazing partner and he's super, super involved uh, with our children and, and is it amazing um, in that respect. But you know what? I also have to resource my life. And, I, and, and that is a luxury that I have that most women don't, right? Yeah. Um, I also have to make sure that I have the right childcare for the school holidays, which are crazy and seem to be infinite. Um, I I also have to make sure that all of that, like household labor, everything, like I can access resource for it. Um, Even that in itself is like a a whole other role, but it's, 
it's an infrastructure that I'm building and that's amazing but many, many women cannot access. And that is fundamentally wrong because we actually need governments to be supporting us and providing this access and this infrastructure. It's, it's, it's wild because, as you say, most women cannot afford to not work. And also they cannot afford to work because then where is the childcare? And it's just the, the only like way through it is if you don't have children, if you're childless in some sense, if like that is the only affordable option, but also... It's not really an option if you want it's, children. Like, it's, it's a right. We should all be able to have children if we want them. And, and you know, let, let's not deny, we are wanted to have children, right? This, yeah. this is something that is like an expectation on us, whether, you know, that, that, is, that is there. Yeah. So um, I don't know. It's that adage of, you know, we expect women to work like they don't have children and mother like yeah. they don't work. And, and, and I feel that pretty much every day of my life you know even if I'm away on a business trip or whatever and someone will be like oh, you know where are the children and I, I I just have a very strong feeling that my partner's never been asked that who asks a man that in any room never never, never. it's also do you feel like you get it almost I would imagine you don't get it as much because you are the founder of peanut but do you think that people feel like they're entitled to ask you about it even more because... Oh, I think that there is... You know, I think there's a fundamental expectation that because of what Peanut does and because of what we're building, the problems that we're trying to solve for, almost like we don't have to think about everything else that a normal business thinks about. So I think there's just this expectation that we float around in like cotton wool and bubbles because we're, you know, <laughs> doing good work. And it's like, okay, but we also have to have a structure where everyone in our team can work like effectively. Yep. You know, we actually have a remote team. Um, we're distributed. So we have 50% on site and 50% are distributed. And we have been since day one. And that was no accident. It meant that I could get amazing quality um, team members and engineers in particular, but I could do it on our terms and I could find people who were like-minded. Um, and we've been really intentional about that. So, um, and we've been doing that long before other, you know, businesses were doing it. Um, and when, you know, I used to talk to investors about it, they'd be like, you know, prefer on-site, prefer you all to be together. And I'm like, that's phenomenal. But actually, I want to make sure that I can hire the best quality talent. And guess what? You know, and until we have a, a society which supports women working in the way that they need to, whatever, <laughs> this is how we, this is how we get the talent. So, um yeah, people people feel very entitled, for sure, to talk to me about very many things. Um, but they assume that everything's, you know, unicorns and rainbows over here. And we're, we're also trying to deal with all of those same challenges. You're still a company in the world. You're yeah. not yeah. like a little heaven called Peanut and everything. Yeah. Is I wish it was. I wish it yeah. was. And have you, I, I'm curious about, like, have you encountered, especially in this role where it, you have, like, an interesting position where your entire company is like built around you being a mom and understanding that it's experienced intimately. And also you are a successful woman, you are a mother and all those things like coexist, right? Those identities don't just like go away when you walk into a boardroom, when you walk into yeah. an investor pitch. Um, and for so many of us, whichever side of parenthood you fall on, if you're a mom, you get the guilt and the shame of not being a present parent because you're not at home with your children. And otherwise, if you do stay at home with your children it's if you're able to do that well why aren't you working aren't you an independent successful woman shouldn't you be out there and I'm curious about how you now if you encounter that and if how you've navigated it I remember when lean in came out and I was like I'm leaning so far in my nose is on the floor that's how far I've lent in and this is still impossible for me so I don't it, it's such a hard um a kind of conundrum to solve and I I, I I still don't have that solution yeah um what I think I can say with with confidence and with um enthusiasm and hope is that when I started peanut in 2017 and I went to speak to people and told them what I was building the reception I got varied from build another dating app Michelle that's what you're good at um are you sure you want to do that one investor called me Mrs. Mom. Do no. you want to be Mrs. Mom? I was like, um, and another said to me, you know, if you build another social product, my wife will literally never talk to me. And I was like, 
clearly <laughs> clearly understand why she doesn't in the first place. You know, that a range of those kind of comments. Um, but I knew what women needed and I knew that we deserved this and I knew that there was something better. What started to happen with Peanut was that actually the conversations happening on the platform weren't just to do with my baby won't sleep or I've got morning sickness or, you know, this issue with feeding. They were to do with relationships. They were to do with body image. They were to do with sex. They were to do with work. They were to do with friendship. They were to do with the Kardashians. They were to do with us as women, because we are multifaceted and we have so many chapters to who we are. And motherhood might be an amazing chapter, but it's not the only chapter. We have we have so many. So from there, actually, it enabled us to think, okay, what other women do we need to be serving here? There are women who are going through fertility treatment, who are trying to conceive, who are thinking about that whole conception journey. How do we support those women? How do we support women... Uh, more recently, who are going through perimenopause and menopause, that's 50% of the population menstruate. And if you menstruate, you are, it is a biological certainty, you are going to go through uh, menopause. And how about supporting those women? And actually, what started as motherhood soon expanded to how do we support women? And the best part, and the part that I have hoped for is, I never have met such resistance since 2017. So things must be getting better, right? We've still got so far to go. And I'm, I'm not, I think I'll never see gender parity in my lifetime, right? We're a hundred years minimum. Yeah. So I know we've got so far to go, but I can say with confidence that when I went to my board and said, look, we're gonna, we're gonna start looking at women who are TTC, who are going through fertility. And there was a conversation, but it was not a no. It was, okay, we can see how that fits into what you're building. When I went to them and said, now we're going to do menopause. Again, it was a bit like, mm, I don't know. Does that suit peanut? Does it fit with peanut? And I was like, but but who? Who else has the permission that we have to enable women to talk and have these conversations? So the mood of women's life stages being relevant, important, business-driven, needing support has changed. It, the appetite is better it's not perfect, but it's so much better than when we started. And it, things are obviously, things are continually getting better, slowly getting better. And you have like the bird's eye view a little bit because you've seen the changes happen when you're going through it. But it's, it's also still really hard for thinking of like a younger you, right? Someone who is thinking of starting something right now where you look at funding and it's 1% goes to all female teams, right? Like 10% go to mixed gender teams where there's still so little actual investment and what makes me really angry is often that is like placed on women themselves where it's like well you have imposter syndrome right or you don't have good ideas and it's like well let's look at the system that's broken let's not blame women and you went through that and you're, you're on the other side in a little bit where you are now a model and you get to also support the next generation of women coming behind you and how were you like actionably I'm not asking for tips because it's, I know it's impossible to give tips, but like, what were you doing at the end of the day when you had the investors questioning whether peanut needed to exist, people questioning whether you knew what you were doing? How, like, how were you getting through that? Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm just incredibly stubborn. I'm just like, I just refuse to accept that, that these men could be right and I would be wrong about women's lives. Like, I, I, I couldn't imagine a worse group of people to assess whether I was right or not. So I just refused to accept it. Um, and I didn't just build Peanut for me. I built it for women and, and our experiences um, and that those experiences might be to do with miscarriage and baby loss. And those experiences might be to do with um, infertility. And those experiences might be to do with, um, you know, just I, I have not slept for yeah. what feels like ever. And I, I can't make good decisions. So um, I, I think that I am just a little bit pigheaded. So there was probably that. Um, and, and, and also actually at the point, um, maybe the naivety I had played to my advantage, which was um, there, there was less conversation probably about just how little of the dollar women were getting. Mm. Um, and I, I just knew how big this market was. You know, just on a, if you take everything out of the argument and the equation, 
Women are responsible for 85% of household decisions on spend, 85%. We decide where we live, what car we drive, what holiday we go on, what you eat, what's in your fridge, what you consume. We're making those decisions and yet we don't have a platform for them when they need it most. Like I, it was in Congress to me, it didn't make any sense. So um, I think that um, a, a lot of the success and, and navigating through was determination, stubborn, pig-headed, slightly naive about what the real landscape was, and also just logic. It just makes good sense. And now what we know is women make good business. They don't make okay business or averagely good. They make good business. It makes good business sense. It's not a SOP. It's not charity. It's a really, really um, successful return on investment. And as soon as you start to really push on that as well, I think that um, uh, the, the obvious need for what we're doing kind of comes to the forefront. So anyone who's starting now, you know, I think we're armed with a little bit more information. It is a very, very depressing stat that in 2021, that unbelievable year that, you know, you sneezed and you raised um, money, women raised even less of the pie in the most, you know, frothy mm-hmm. market ever um, that's very depressing. Um, and women of colour raise even less than than that. So, um, of course, there is the narrative of that that we are all now aware of. But I don't, it cannot dissuade people from starting and innovating. This is, you know, we're in a very difficult market. We're going to continue into a difficult market next year. It's when we're all told that the best businesses are, are built and born. Yeah. Um, and so I think that just because we have more knowledge of just how dire it is to be a woman founder now, um, we mustn't let that deter us from doing it because um, a man was never going to build Peanut. Yeah. It just wasn't going to happen. A man was never going to build Maven, right? Mm-hmm. But they're, they're both so needed. So um, women must come to the forefront and build for women. Were you always this? I, I don't think stubborn is the word. It's like determined, right? Like you see the you see the big picture and you're like, okay, this makes sense. And I will just keep going until it makes sense. It's what it sounds like from the outside. Where like until the world is on my side or gets what I see, I'll just keep going. Where you have the, the clear vision and the, the like the understanding, which is also that comes with a role like yours. And was that the same when you were 23 and a, a, a lawyer and just getting started? Like, were you, because you've worked in, it seems like, lots of traditionally male-dominated, yeah. right? And I'm curious about how that, like, how you got to that point. Was it just being surrounded by people who operated in that way? Where that's definitely been the case for me, where I was surrounded by lots of men who operated in that way. And I was like, oh, this is a way to be in the world. I could just try this and see what happens. I think, actually... It's something around um, like political savvy. And I don't know how to better say that, but I, I could certainly observe in a, in a room power dynamics. And I, you know, I've been in many rooms where I've been the observer of the power dynamics or I've been involved in the power dynamics and um, pre-peanut. And as a result, there is something like very... Um, uh, empowering and enabling in in being able to think okay so in order to get that conclusion that person did this um and and taking and applying that in in your own scenario so I am also a bit of a magpie so I meet people and some of them are men and some of them are women and I'm like oh that's a really like smart way you Mm -hmm. did that I'll take that for later and I'll lock it away Mm -hmm. and I'll think about how you know and and so I think that um probably a combination of those things but there is something incredibly powerful being age 23 and being the youngest person in the room that is just observing yeah. um, in, in kind of watching people find resolution. And there's something very, very powerful about that. Cause I think you can then start to take that and emulate it in, in later life. So have I always been like this? No, but I am, I have always been a watcher. I am nosy. I, I am that person who's looking over your shoulder when you're on the tube to see what you're on your phone doing. Like I am that person. Um, and so I think that kind of natural curiosity with determination, stubborn, um, is, is probably what gets, gets you there. But there's, there's one more thing. And, and I often think it, and I hope this doesn't make me sound like, I, there's something to be said for like earning your stripes and like do, doing a bit of the work, like doing the time a bit. Um, I could not have built be- Peanut five years before I did. 
because, and not just because it was about a life experience I wouldn't have then had, but, but also because there was so much I learned in that five-year window about people and, and relationships and dynamics that I didn't have um, experience of. So there, there is this thing where I feel like sometimes we're all rushing to get there and it's, it's all going to come for you. It will come. You can do mm. it. But you, you do just have to l- do a bit of the learning and that's okay. It's so valuable in, in later life. And it's better to do the learning first yeah. than have to try and always muddle away with doing the learning at a different point because that can also be exhausting. My my boss actually said this to me very recently. He was like, you know, you want to, to be at a place where the only way to get there is time and growth and you just want to be at the next step and you actually have to do the living to get there. So just like do the living, stop worrying about it. Right. And you have to do the living. And by the way, the living is like the best bit, right? It's because, because there's so many things that happen that aren't within your control that mean that you are in that meeting that you didn't ever expect to be in, or you do meet that person and then they become relevant to you five years later. Like the living is the thing that you're like, ah, that's why that happened to me because it was going to play into what I'm doing in the future. So I think that there is just some amazing, like, um, trust that you have to have that it's coming for you but do do the living and do the work and do the learning because you're going to need all of those elements when you're you know you're at that next stage it's all feeds in it's really important did you know this when you were getting started or is this something that's come with hindsight great question I think that when I was certainly when I was a junior lawyer I I felt so much that I was just like getting to do the job, learning the job. It was such a, you know, it was challenging and we worked crazy hours and um, no crazier than I do now as it goes, but it felt really crazy at the time. Um, I I was working, you know, stupid hours and um, I, um, you you go through this, anyone who's done this kind of course will, will know what I'm talking about, but you go through this period where it's all academic. Well, that feels fine. And all of a sudden, you then have to go to a meeting with a real person. And you're like, oh, you think I know. I have no idea. I've only read about this in a book. And so you're like, hmm. So there is so much like vocational learning that you have to do anyway that I don't even think I was thinking much further ahead than, okay, I can do that. Now can I do the next bit? And then it just comes with practice. So um, I also... I'm going to be very, I am ambitious and I have always been ambitious, but I certainly didn't know that this was the track and it's okay to not know what the track is. I, I, I had no clue. I thought I would be a lawyer. I thought maybe I'd be a partner. I don't know what I thought, but I didn't think this would be it. Um, which again is why I do the work, do the living, and you just don't know what will come and what doors open very unexpectedly. You've obviously like carved a very specific, charted a very specific path, which like everyone's path is specific, but you haven't just followed like the expected trajectory, right? Of like, you get this job and then you move up in one law firm and you stay there forever until your partner and senior partner and all of that. And there is a certain loneliness, I have found at least for me, where I've done similar, bounced around a lot and carved a path that is very unique where there aren't other models for you. And also you start to lose people who understand as well. And yes. you start to lose friends. You start to lose yes. professional friends because yes. your reference keeps changing. Yes. How have you navigated? I'm asking this now very selfishly, like for me, how have you navigated this? Yeah. I mean, that resonates massively. It's very hard and you do lose relationships and, and friends along the way. And, and it's something that if anyone could have told me one thing about this journey that I'm on now, it's that not everyone is on it for the whole journey. And and that has been probably even harder than anything else, investors, markets, whatever. The hardest thing is when you lose relationships along the way. Um, and, and that has been challenging. Um and how to navigate that, you know, when you find out, let me know. It doesn't make it any less crushing, right? The relationships and, and that kind of support network is really important. The one thing that is true is that it evolves. And you might there might be attrition along the way, but you find other people that come into your world and you're like, ah, oh, now I've got you. And, you know, that that's very different. Um, and I might not have met you in a different world, but now I have. And, you know, I, I'm thinking specifically, I've got one really amazing girlfriend who um, there's absolutely no reason on paper why the two of us should be as close as we are. 
but just through the different journeys that our lives have taken here we are and um I, I really am very fortunate to have her and that kind of balances out for the friendships lost along the way um I think what's very clear uh maybe maybe also with just what's happening with innovation um in roles as well is that there is no one set path mm-hmm. anymore and um everyone has the opportunity to build their own path. And if you start on one path, it doesn't mean you can't cross the road and go to the other path Mm -hmm. over here. And then you can go back. Like there is so much movement that I think probably um, wasn't around, certainly for the generations before me. Um, And I was definitely scared of, you know, my, I came from a family where people weren't going to uni or, you know, that wasn't really a thing. So the thought of me stopping being a lawyer, my mum was like, what? Horrified. No way. You, you know, you'd be a lawyer or you'd be an accountant, you'd be a doctor and that's life. Um, and, um, you know, I think she still tells everyone I'm a lawyer, which is fine. You still are a lawyer. I am still, thank you. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's that thing where, you know, generations gone by, they, there was more nervousness about, um, uncertainty, um, of future. And now I think that there's be- so much beauty in that and there's so much power in it. Um, and there's so much freedom in it, what we're building and what you, uh, pursue is so much about giving you freedom of thought and expression and creative creativity, like it can't be undermined. And, and, and by the way, not everyone has to, it's okay. If you are someone who's like, I love this stuff, but actually I really am passionate about the trajectory I'm on and it's a traditional trajectory and that's good with me. That's great. It just takes everyone. Like we have to have all of it. And I come from a similar world of lawyers and doctors and engineers, like very traditional carved out professional paths, right? Where like, you know, salary yeah. is going to be there and, and all of that. And it's, it's like taking a risk. It's taking a leap. It's also, for me, I thought a lot about the younger cousins and the generations that come behind me. Like if I screw this up, none of them get to do it, or it's going to be so much harder for them. And did, did, like, was that going through your mind at all when you took the leap to leave law and uh, and then to start peanut much later on, but was it ever in my mind? Probably not at that point. I'm an only child, by the way, so I have no um, brothers and sisters who are relying on me to carve the path. It's it's just me, um, which means that I have to, you know, I have to balance the expectations of my parents. But um, I think by the time I'd got to I'd done, I'd been the lawyer, I'd done the stuff that I was meant to do. Um, truly, probably their experience of the world, would, it reached the limit. They, that was the point at which they were like, okay, so that's what we hold in esteem to be successful. Yeah. And, and then it was really for me to go and do the next part. I don't think I was ever really thinking about um, making sure I did a good job for anyone behind me. Until with Peanut, there is an expectation, but that's for my kids. Like, mm-hmm. I, I better make it work because, you know, I've put a lot on the line to do this. And um, I have two little people who rely on me. And, you know, I have to make sure that I keep a roof over their head and feed them. And, um, and also that they see that if there's something that you want to do, you can do it. You can build it. You can be that person. You just have to work. And there's sacrifice involved. But, but if you do it and you get your head down, like you can achieve the success that you want. And I think that's probably, I'm very focused on that part now. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, I mean, it's a lot of this conversation we've just had is about a lot of the conversations we have in the series, it feels like are about not redefining, but like reclaiming definitions of words, right? Like what is a good mother? What is success? What is a good woman? These are all air quoted because like, what is anything except how we define it? But I'm curious right. about, for you, when you think about being a mom, being a successful entrepreneur, how are you defining those those words for yourself in your life right now? Wow. Maybe Doesn't have to be forever. It's just for right now, like today. How would you define it? Major question. Um, so I'm human and I get all of the guilt that every other you know person gets when I have to make a choice between am I going to sports day 
or am I doing a partner call? Uh, Am I doing, you know, am I going to do school drop off or am I going to go in and see my team and be on time today? Like I'm, I'm constantly doing that every day and I feel differing levels of guilt about it. Um, but one thing that is absolutely clear to me is the happier I am, the happier they are. All they care about is being surrounded by laughs and giggles and, you know, learning things and seeing things and having that enlightenment. That's honestly, that's, and maybe, you know, a bit of food and exercise in between, but really that's all they care about. So my success as a mother right now is really about, can I make them laugh? Do they seem good? Are they sleeping well? It, like, does everyone, everything feel light and exciting for them? And if it does, great. And I, by the way, that still means that mummy has to work and I ha- still have to travel and I still have to do all those things and they see it and I'm great with that. That's good for me. Mm-hmm. Um, will that change at a point in the future where I want to work less and be with them more? And again, in the future, where I want to walk more and, and you know, yeah. know that I will be around less. Very much. It's super dynamic. It's very up and down. Um, but right now, I think I'm in a really good space where if I can see them and they laugh and we're happy and they see I'm happy, that's all That's all good. And from a work perspective, you know, what does that look like? The good, the good CEO or the good leader? Um, I'm really honest. It's this um, unfortunate Irish thing where I just say too much. Um, but I am always honest with my team. And that means they know the good, they know the bad, they know the ugly, they know everything in between. Um, and from that perspective, we're tight and I love it. And that's what success looks like to me, honesty and tightness and, and, and feeling like very much like we're all on this together. We're very clear about what we're building, who we're building for, why it's important. And we're all like laser focused on it. Um, and that's an amazing feeling to have people around you who are so much smarter than me anyway um but also like we're all driving for the same thing so I think that's what good at work looks like at the moment it's really beautiful because both of your definitions are not just aspirational but also like achievable in the daily right like you can be successful every day which is so lovely because otherwise success can be like this faraway thing you're always reaching for and never quite getting to and it's hard And let me tell you, I had this conversation last week, actually, with one of my investors who I am, you know, she's an incredible, incredible woman. And I said, it's so interesting, this whole journey of building peanut and entrepreneurship generally, what used to feel like the biggest win in the world and the biggest goal and success and achievement now feels like it should happen on the regular. And if you don't get it, you're like, we had a bad day, right? And that could be like getting an Apple feature, get a feature on the app store. That felt like everything. That felt like we must get it. It's a focus. It's a, and now if it's not happening kind of, you know, relatively regularly, I want to know what's wrong with the team. Um, mm-hmm. If, if um, you know, getting an accolade, an award from, from someone mm-hmm. used to be like, oh, if we could just get recognized by those people, it would be amazing. And now it's like, Okay. Getting to a million users. If we could just get a million users, that would be the thing. And now it's like, so, so those moments of like, what was once that moment of success and now feels like it should happen every day. I described it to her as, I think it must be what happens to like rock stars when they go on stage and you're just constantly trying to get the buzz. You're trying to get the adrenaline of being at Wembley. And um, when you can't get that anymore, like, where do you go? I, I, I feel like it must feel like that. Um, and so it's probably because of that, that I'm very aware that the success that I feel, I have to feel the small wins every day because mm. um, even the big wins start to feel less impactful at some point. So I have to therefore have smaller wins every day. I guess the big wins also have to get bigger to have an impact. That's right, to have any feeling. And it's, yeah. it's, it's a very strange, like, realization, but sometimes you get something and you know it's a big win and the feeling is relatively little, if at all. Yeah. Because you're already thinking about the next. Okay, that's great. But, yeah. you know, now what? You're striving and it, it makes sense to also, like, strive in the daily. I'm going to steal that from you. Thank you. 
Um, I know we're running out of time, so I'm just going to ask you our last question where this podcast is called Little Revolutions because change comes in big fell swoops, but also in the daily, right? And like how we live every day. And if someone like think about, you know, 32 year old, you or 30 year old, you who's a young mom and is trying to figure out how to not have it all, but be whoever she wants to be, right? Be a parent, be a present parent, be a good parent, whatever that looks like, and also be a successful in her career woman and is just struggling to figure out how to do it, how to carve out space for herself. What is one thing you you would go back and tell your younger self or you would tell a friend who's navigating that? So it's really hard because I could say something that people, you know, I often hear people say now and I'm like, that means nothing if you can't do it. You know, make sure you have an hour for yourself or, you know, go and do yoga or whatever and it's like what are you talking I can I can hardly get dressed sometimes right when you're in that moment so Mm -hmm. I totally um I'm not going to say that what I'm going to say is um whatever your medium is writing things down helps if you do notes on your phone if you're an old old school you you make notes if it's whatever it is writing things down helps and that might be small like to-do lists, must do this today, this today, this today. That could be ideas, that can be um, hopes for the future. But I have um, these notebooks and I have them every quarter and I keep them. And let me tell you, sometimes just the act of getting it all out, this is this is me. I have one of these. I've got piles of them. And they're, they're, whatever is in your mind, as soon as it's out there, you can either work to action or work to dismiss. And everyone, whatever time of day or night it is, however little time you have, you have time to write something down. And as soon as you do it, honestly, there's like a, it's like liberating. You'll feel a freedom because it comes out of here and you're like, okay. Mm -hmm. And it might be my dream job, or it might be um, must do this tomorrow, or it might be must read this article. doesn't matter. Whatever it is, um, there's something really, it feels really um, empowering to write it. Do you like, do you go through everything and it does it turn into a to-do list or is the act of writing enough for you? So it's both. So sometimes okay. I, and I, I mean, this makes me sound weird, but I have two sides to the book. So the back is just anything that I need to get out of my head. Mm. And the front is the to-do list. And sometimes something makes it from the back to the front, mm. but sometimes it doesn't. Um, and sometimes it's in the front and it will never be in the back because it's mundane and I didn't need to. Mm. But I, I, it serves two purposes. But sometimes there's just something very like it, unlocking about writing it. I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much to Michelle for this wonderful conversation. And thank you for listening. To learn more about Michelle, her work, and where you can get on Peanut, check out our show notes.